When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. A beautiful four-month-old baby girl. A father who denied being her father. And a mother who made the father believe she did not want the baby that they were going to put the baby up for adoption. One June afternoon in 2011, the father would drive off with the baby after a fight with the mother, and the baby is never seen again. This baby would become known as Baby Kate in the media. This beautiful baby with bright blue eyes and a smile that would light up the entire world. What would follow would be changing narratives, possible unidentified person matches, and a father currently serving a life sentence in jail for his daughter's murder. This is a case I'd seen on Dr Phil about 10 years ago, and I was never able to truly forget. However, when I started this podcast, I could not remember enough details to find baby Kate's story to keep her memory alive. It wasn't until a DM from one of you with a case suggestion that meant I could go down the rabbit hole into one of the most frustrating cases you will ever hear. This is Baby Kate's story. Four-month-old Baby Kate is missing and presumed dead. Her father, Sean Phillips, who had driven off with her and was found with her baby clothes in his pocket, has already been found guilty of unlawful imprisonment and sentenced to 10 to 15 years. This is a tragic case. It just makes you sick. Things are about to get a lot worse for Phillips. One year later, he is charged with murder. We have evidence that we are convinced will prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Sean Phillips murdered his own daughter. At a probable cause hearing, baby Kate's heartbroken mother, Ariel Cortland, recounts how she learned Kate was missing. I asked where Kate was at if I could come and get her. And he said no, because Kate wasn't there. And they didn't know where she was at. Catherine Shelby Elizabeth Phillips was born December 2, 2011, to parents 19-year-old Ariel Cortland and 21-year-old Sean Michael Phillips. Ariel and Phillips had a very on-again, off-again relationship. Their relationship started inappropriately, in my opinion. Here I am giving my opinion already in this episode. I'd say you're going to get my opinion a lot. But their relationship first started when Ariel was 14 and Phillips was 16 years old. Ariel becoming pregnant with their first child a year later when she was 15 and gave birth to a baby girl who they called Haley. Now, according to my research, it doesn't appear Phillips's parents approved of their relationship or the fact they had a baby so young, which I can't blame them. But once that child is here, it's here but it doesn't appear they were all that fond of the baby. During the times Philip and Ariel weren't together, they shared custody of Haley. At some point, Phillips enlisted in the Army National Guard, and he would often spend significant times deployed overseas. Because of how unstable their relationship was, and the fact Phillips wasn't always around and Ariel wasn't working, 
When Ariel found out she was pregnant with their second child, Phillips was completely against it. He didn't want to have to tell his parents he made another mistake. And the couple would have arguments about whether Ariel should terminate the pregnancy. Now, I don't know the dynamics of this relationship, but Ariel would at least once schedule an abortion and Phillips gave her the money to pay for it. But then she didn't go and she didn't right away tell Phillips she hadn't gone through the procedure. I mean, I get changing your mind. 100% she has every right to. Her body, her choice. But then why not be honest about it? Why not give Phillips his money back? Especially since finances were so tight and their financial situation was one of the reasons Phillips did not want another baby. But after it became too late for abortion to be an option, Phillips brought up the idea of adoption to Ariel, something that she was initially open to. Google searches from throughout Ariel's pregnancy would show the couple did search terms relating to adoption, and a partially completed adoption application would later be found in Ariel's apartment. But as the birth date neared, Ariel became less and less interested in giving up their baby. This would be another cause of arguments between the sometimes couple. Phillips would threaten to take their older daughter away from her if she didn't agree to place the baby up for adoption. So Ariel would later state she would humour Phillips with the idea she agreed. Quote, I thought I would change my mind if it came down to it and we found the right home. Unquote. And that brings us to Kate's birth. Phillips was on deployment to Afghanistan at the time his second daughter was born, so he wasn't present to sign her birth certificate. Now, this is where this story takes on so many paths and tangents and rabbit holes, oh my. This story is the Wizard of Oz of true crime stories, which takes so much away from the core of what happened here, and that's really heartbreaking to me. But I'm going to go off topic here, and I'm sorry, but this may happen throughout the episode because... That's what happens when I don't have a detailed script. And this story, it's hard to because no one can keep their story straight. Things appear to reach their boiling point after Kate's birth on December 2nd, 2011. Ariel and Phillips are having an off period in their relationship, with Ariel and the two girls living at the Birch Lake Apartments in the 900 block of East Tinkham and Luddington and Phillips living with his parents in the 200 block of Millington Road in Scottsville. Kate was a beautiful, healthy baby girl with massive blue eyes, light brown hair, and the sweetest cleft chin. She looks so much like her daddy, it is insane. And at the time of her disappearance, she had been teething and was a little fussy. But otherwise, Kate was a happy, smiley, giggly baby girl. Now, if we're going with Ariel's initial story, Phillips did not believe he was the baby's father, despite her being his mirror image. But he had been accusing his estranged partner throughout her pregnancy and after Kate's birth of having an affair. They fought because Phillips was unimpressed when Ariel printed birth announcements in his name, and he was angry because he was named as Kate's father on the insurance application through DHS after the baby's birth. He knew this would make him liable for child support, and his parents were bound to find out he fathered another child with Ariel. Phillips would continue to insist they put up Kate for adoption, and as I said, this is something that doesn't appear that Ariel was totally against, given their situation, because she partially completed the adoption application. But also, she was not convinced that adoption was the best thing for Kate. 
A judge says there's enough evidence to send the man accused of kidnapping a still-missing five-month-old girl from Ludington to trial. And investigators revealed that the clothes of Catherine Phillips, known as Baby Kate, were found in the pocket of the man charged with the crime. 24 Hour News 8's Tony Taliavia back from the courthouse in Ludington with more on this. Good evening, Brian and Sue. The girl's mother was a key witness today. Prosecutors asked her to identify the girl's clothes. I put them on her that morning. Were these the clothes that you last saw her in? Yeah. Investigators told the court those were the clothes a sheriff's deputy discovered in Sean Phillips' pocket the day baby Kate went missing. They say the outfit was found when a sheriff's deputy began to pat Phillips down before taking him to Ludington for questioning. I had observed a bulge in his right cargo pocket in his shorts. Both the deputy and a Ludington officer testified that Phillips was pacing, nervous, even had a muscle twitching when investigators talked to him in person for the first time. They say Phillips told them Kate was with her mother, but eventually... He states that he's not telling me the whole truth. The defense tried to suggest investigators were interrupting Phillips, not letting him speak. And Phillips' lawyer says her client had time to get rid of the clothes, along with a diaper bag and car seat found in his Oldsmobile, if he had something to hide. The defense also pushed back against the mother's testimony that Phillips was the only one who wanted to put Kate up for adoption. Phillips' lawyer asked the mother, Ariel Cortland, about adoption papers. They were filled out by you, correct? Yes. Cortland says she only filled out the paperwork because Phillips was threatening to keep her from her other daughter. He was threatening me with Haley, saying that if I didn't put Kate up for adoption and start the process, he was going to take Haley so I could never see her again. The defense also talked today about recorded conversations during which Cortland said she missed Phillips. She told the court today that she did that because she was trying to convince Phillips to trust her so that he would tell her where baby Kate is. A judge ultimately determined today there's enough evidence for this to go to trial. No trial date has been set and Phillips will stay in jail at least for now. The judge continued the $500,000 bond that's been keeping him there. At the live desk, Tony Taliavia, 24-hour news aid. Wednesday, June 29, 2011. Sean Phillips had already had a DNA test earlier that day to either prove paternity of baby Kate or because he never signed the birth certificate due to his deployment at the time of Kate's birth. And this was a necessary step for insurance purposes. The reason is reported as both. The former initially, and the latter by Ariel on the Dr. Phil episode after Phillips was sentenced. Throughout the day, Ariel had been texting Phillips about going through with the adoption. She would later claim she only did this to make Phillips happy, and she never intended on actually going through with it. Ariel didn't have a vehicle at this time, so Phillips agreed to drive her and the baby to Kate's DNA test. But instead of driving Ariel and Kate to their appointment, he drove them to the DHS to go through with the adoption, as it appears they discussed over text earlier that day. This resulted in an argument. Phillips would say to Ariel that going through with the DNA test would ruin his life. Ariel demanded Phillips take them back to the apartment, and she would walk with Kate to the appointment, which was only several blocks away from the apartment anyway. 1pm would have them back at the Birchgrove Apartments. Ariel went into her apartment to get the keys to retrieve a stroller. She would later state she would have been gone less than a minute, but when she got back, Phillips, his car and the baby were gone. 
Ariel had left her phone in the car as well, so she had no access to that to call Phillips to find out what was going on. Thinking he was just annoyed and drove off to cool off and would return soon, Ariel got hold of a neighbour's phone and called him, but he never answered, letting her calls go through to voicemail. Quote, I was scared, but I wasn't panicked because I didn't think anything really wrong was happening. Unquote. But Ariel was determined to make her appointment, and since Phillips was denying being Kate's father, he had no custody rights to her. Ariel called 911 at 1.15pm to report Kate's abduction. 911, where's your emergency? Uh, Bursnick Apartments, Wellington. The father of my child took our daughter, and I don't know where he's at with her. She's my daughter. He has no legal rights over her. I was supposed to take her for a DNA test at 1 o'clock and um, for him for child support and he came over and I thought he was going to give us a ride there so we got in the car and then I forgot something in my house so mm-hmm. I ran back upstairs to get my keys and I came back down and they're gone. He already went there. His appointment was uh, an hour before mine was. He had already took the test. He just does not want me to bring Kate there because mm-hmm. he knows that Kate is his and he doesn't want to pay child support for her. Okay, Ariel, we'll send somebody over so you can file a report, okay? Okay, thank you. Later, witness reports would have Phillips at the Ludington Wendy's between 1 and 1.30pm. Kate is not seen with him, but to be fair, he could have left her in the car while he went inside. Phillips would then make the 20-minute drive to his parents' house on Milton Road, police arriving to arrest him by 3pm giving Phillips less than an hour to kill and dispose of his four-month-old daughter's body. Police arrived at the Phillips family home to find a very nervous and pacing Phillips. He would initially tell police he had no idea where it was, referring to his basically newborn baby girl as an it, that he had left it with Ariel. He would repeat this response three times. When police asked whether Phillips was telling the whole truth... Officers said he answered, quote, You're right, I'm not telling you the whole truth. Unquote. Phillips was not going to be forthcoming with answers. This became immediately evident. While frisking Phillips, they found in one pocket of his cargo pants, his phone and chewing tobacco. When they asked Phillips what the bulge was in his other pocket, Phillips pulled out a onesie that Kate had been wearing that day, inside out and wadded up into a ball. When asked what it was, he replied, quote, her clothes, unquote. In the trunk of Philip's car, police found Kate's baby car seat, her diaper bag and a dirty diaper. Officers immediately put Phillips in handcuffs. Ariel's cell phone has never been recovered. The police first handled this as a missing persons case, and an Amber Alert was issued that night. Authorities launched an extensive search between Ariel's apartment, the Wendy's and Phillips's home. As I said, this was a tight timeline for Phillips to do whatever he did with baby Kate. The FBI and the US Coast Guard also became involved. The next day, Sean Phillips would be charged with kidnapping, a felony with a maximum sentence of life in prison in Michigan. And now Phillips was changing his story, that he had given Kate to a guy who was going to place her with a loving family. Because if Ariel wasn't going to agree to adoption, well, he was going to take it in his own hands. He would also later write a letter stating as much while awaiting trial, which would be used as evidence against him during the first trial. 
There were reports of blood droplets and footprints found near the Phillips family home on July 5, 2011. The county collectively held their breath in anxiousness. Was this a sign of what happened to baby Kate? But it wouldn't come to be. The blood was later determined not to be human. Actually, it was determined not to be blood at all. It was bird feces. There would be 13 searches in total, all led by Ludington Police Chief Mark Barnett and Mason County Sheriff Jeff Fryers. But unfortunately, after no sign of Kate in all of these attempts, all ground searches were suspended on July 17, 2011. Even though police were certain Phillips acted alone and he alone knew where baby Kate was, Ariel was still questioned at length numerous times. She set two polygraphs in regards to her daughter's abduction, which she passed. She is not and never really has been considered a suspect. And despite her former partner allegedly being responsible for Kate's disappearance, Ariel still repeatedly visited Phillips in jail and gave him money. According to Ariel, this was only to stay on friendly terms with him so he would tell her where baby Kate was. April 2012, in the lead-up to the trial, the DNA test Phillips had taken had been returned and it was proven Sean Phillips was indeed Kate's father. The defence team argued the charges of kidnapping were no longer suitable. Michigan law prohibits biological parents being charged with kidnapping. The charge Phillips was now facing was unlawful imprisonment, a lower-class felony attracting a maximum of 15 years in jail. During the trial, Phillips stuck to his handed-the-baby-over story and his defence team was adamant that baby Kate was still alive and well. And because there was no evidence that this wasn't the case, no further charges should be brought upon their client. And the judge would agree. Sean Phillips would be found guilty to the unlawful imprisonment charge and sentenced to 10 to 15 years in prison. Our Target 8 investigators are the only ones with a letter allegedly written by the baby's father, Sean Phillips. It was postmarked just weeks ago as he sat in prison. For the first time, the letter explains how Sean believes baby Kate died, what he did with her body, and gives a possible explanation as to why he and Ariel Cortland are now engaged. This is when the story takes a turn. A prison informant would come forward claiming that he heard Phillips talking to himself in his cell at night. Phillips allegedly said he had hidden Kate's body in a special place where the police would never find it, because in his mind, no body, no murder conviction. And then a new letter from Phillips to Ariel is leaked to the media. This letter completely 180s what Philip previously claimed happened to his daughter. In it, he basically says that Kate's death was a tragic accident, that's not knowing she was in the baby car seat, he jerked the car seat out of the car and threw her out. He then chose to bury Kate's body in a, quote, peaceful place, unquote, instead of calling 911. I will read an excerpt of the letter. This whole letter does ramble and is more of Phillips shifting the blame to Ariel, his parents, his attorney, basically everyone but himself. The end of the letter is quite suspicious to me so I can understand why Armchair Sleuths on True Crime and Unsolved Mysteries Forum do question if Ariel knows more of what happened to her daughter, and if she was more involved. Especially if you consider Ariel's constant changing stories, but I will leave that for you to decide. This is what you want, 
Okay, I always felt like I needed to do this in person, that you deserved that, and that we would both need each other for that. When I brought you back, I didn't park, so that you would just get out, not pull any more shit to try to keep me there longer. Even when you sat there with the door open and your foot out, and I tried to interrupt you three times with, I don't care, before you got out. You said something like, whatever, fuck you, and I'm going to ruin your life, then walked around and spent a minute getting Kate out. I was pretending I was busy with my phone or something, so you would hopefully just leave me alone. I heard the door shut, saw you walk off, your hands in front of you, not on your sides. Like you were holding Kate. I drove away. A blonde lady by the office and I looked at each other as I passed. There was some stuff I wanted to get done in town, but I was tired and hungover and trying to decide whether to put it off till another time. I stopped at Wendy's for something to eat and for time to make up my mind, but mostly to piss. The phone kept ringing there, went back to the car and I ate. The whole time that fucking phone wouldn't stop ringing. I could feel through my shorts to hit the volume button to silence a call, but the seat was too far up for me to get it out of my pocket to make it stop ringing, because the car seat was in the way. It was driving me crazy and I was so mad at you. For that day, for everything lately, for everything maybe ever. When I tried to move the seat back to get the phone, it was blocked by that car seat and I was pissed that you left it in there just to try to make me bring it back later. I was pissed that I got out and was just going to throw it out in that area between the Burger King. I pulled it, but it was jammed between the seats. That just made it worse. I grabbed it at the top and I ripped it out as hard as I could. She was thrown from it. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Held her for a long time. Seems like forever. Maybe an hour. Maybe a minute. Might not have been long. Some things can only be lived. In a way, I couldn't understand it. It didn't seem real. I didn't want it to be. It felt like falling and like my head would explode. Couldn't think. Couldn't do anything. It eventually sunk in or something. I started crying. I couldn't stop. I've never cried that hard. Seemed like my throat was closing. Mind was racing. Yet, I couldn't think. I guess I was in shock. I never even tried to help her, never even thought to, just sat there holding her. I don't think anything could have been done. Still, I hate myself for not trying. Think I was there for like half an hour, and that it wasn't till right before I left when I realised to call 911. It was too late. I wouldn't have been able to talk. I wouldn't know what to say anyways. I couldn't bring myself to pick up that phone, scared of it and of the world, I felt like I had killed her. I needed to believe I didn't hurt her, that it was all your fault. I drove, not to anywhere or for any reason, just drove. A few things I suddenly realised when I was driving, but I couldn't remember how I came to be or where I was. Almost crashed twice. The second time I stopped and pulled off the road. I needed out of that car and I just walked off. After a while I stopped. For the first time I could think some, thought about Kate, her smile, the way she looks around, everything that should have been. I held her all this time, couldn't really bring myself to really look at her, though I did now. I wanted to kill you. I cried until I somehow couldn't anymore. She was set in a peaceful place. 
I was walking and lost, couldn't hardly breathe. I'm sorry I lied about Kate being okay. I wanted to tell you the truth so bad, to hold you, to be held. I said that because I thought that you would do something then. Couldn't believe you wouldn't just get me the fuck out or make them allow us to talk. There's still a lot I don't understand. 90% of the things you said were lies. How you used her and acted a lot of the time like you couldn't give a fuck about her. How you kept dragging out the adoption, which would have been just harder on her. Couldn't believe you wanted to do the testing before finishing the adoption that day, just to make me pay. I never once thought whatsoever of keeping her. Still don't know why. So many of the things you said or whatever blamed you for so long. There's so many stupid little things that could have made the difference. Things like a phone call or bathroom. Both of us fucked up. I'd do anything to go back. I want my parents to know. Things spouses tell each other is confidence. Can't be made to testify. But we aren't married yet in the eyes of the government. Then hearsay can't be used. So if you told them it would be hearsay as it didn't come from me. But grand juries sometimes allow hearsay. Can you ask your lawyer? If you want to ask me things, try to ask me all at once. So we aren't hearing incriminating stuff more than we need to. Out of time, destroy this. We'll talk. September 2012. In a move that many believe is in direct response to this letter, especially the last paragraph. But Ariel would agree to an interview with Michigan news station Wood as she planned to marry Phillips in order to get more information about where her daughter was. And because Ariel is considered a victim of crime, she was banned from seeing him in prison. Now, Phillips had previously proposed marriage. They were engaged for a time, but they never stayed together long enough to actually get married. Quote, A marriage license is a piece of paper. It's not saying I'm going to spend the rest of my life with him. It's saying I want to marry him for a month. Or, however long it takes for me to sit down with him and say, Hey, what the fuck happened? That's all it's meant to be. That's it. Unquote. Ariel would never go through in marrying Phillips. The idea was scratched out when officials declared that even if the couple were married, she would not be allowed any more visits, that she would still be considered a victim of crime because of her daughter. October 2013. Sean Phillips would be charged with first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But then less than a year later, in September 2014, Mason County District Judge Peter Wardle dismissed the murder charge citing insufficient evidence, and the Michigan Court of Appeals agreed, reversing the first-degree murder charge, a ruling that would also be upheld by the Michigan Supreme Court. June 25, 2015. Massachusetts police found a body of a four-year-old girl on Boston Harbour Beach. Heartbroken police gave the little girl the moniker Baby Doe, given how small she was for her age, three foot five and weighing 35 pounds. They found this sweet little girl disposed of inside a garbage bag and dumped in the harbour, wearing only a pair of black and white polka dot pants and wrapped in a zebra blanket. Immediately, there was this belief that Kate had been found. There were similarities in the facial structure of Baby Doe and Baby Kate. Both had light brown hair, 
And even though Kate's eyes were blue at the time of her disappearance and Baby Doe's eyes were brown, eye colour is changeable at that young age. For example, my eldest son had almost clear light blue eyes that settled into a green hazel after nearly two years, so it is possible. Unfortunately, DNA would prove Baby Doe and Catherine Phillips were not the same person. I won't go too much into Baby Doe's story, as it is extremely heartbreaking and she is deserving of her own episode. Trust me, it's already on the schedule. More than 200 missing persons, missing babies, were considered to be Baby Doe, including Ayla Reynolds, another missing person case that I've followed closely since day one, and who I will also cover very soon. Thankfully, Baby Doe was not destined to be one of the hundreds of unidentified persons on record. On September 18, 2015, Isabella Amoroso Bond. Her mother, Rachel Bond, was implicated in her death, and her mother's boyfriend, Michael McCarthy, was found guilty of second-degree murder. McCarthy is currently serving a life sentence for Bella's murder. Another huge case in court today. Sean Phillips was just sentenced in Ludington for killing his own daughter, baby Kate. Phillips will spend 19 to 45 years in prison. He was convicted of second-degree murder back in October. Four-month-old Catherine Phillips vanished back in 2011. She has never been found. The judge spoke directly to Sean Phillips in court just moments ago, saying he didn't believe that Sean was evil. October 2016. Phillips would be again in court and in front of a jury for resentencing. Judge Wardle instructed the jury of six women and four men that they could also consider second-degree murder or manslaughter. After three weeks of trial, three days of deliberation, and more than five years after Kate disappeared, her father Sean Phillips was convicted of second-degree murder. He received a life sentence with a minimum term of 19 years in prison. Phillips does get credit for the three years he already served after he was arrested meaning he will be eligible for parole in 2032 when he is 42 years old. Still time to do everything in life, and a time when Catherine would be just beginning her adult life. A life that will never be. At the time of her disappearance, Catherine Phillips was four months old. She was two foot and 12 pounds, with blue eyes and light brown hair. But given she was still pretty much a newborn when she went missing, her eye and hair colour may have changed within the first few years of her life, if she had gotten a chance to actually experience those first few amazing years. Kate has a cleft chin. She was last seen wearing a one-piece white outfit, with black polka dots and black and pink flowers. However, this outfit would be later recovered on her father, so Kate may have been wearing an entirely different outfit, or maybe she was disposed of wearing only a diaper, or nothing at all. It pains me to even think that, that this sweet little baby was left exposed to the elements, cold. I don't care if she was already passed away. There is a lack of respect and love to leave anyone like that, let alone a baby, let alone your baby. If Kate is still alive today, she would be 12 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance and presumed murder of Catherine Phillips, baby Kate, please contact the Ludington Police Department on 231 869 5858. 
If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.